Awesome, awesome. Well, again, uh, good morning, everybody. I'm so glad you guys are here. And just like Ryland said, I want you to be able to, to take this message home with you. So before we get any further into this message, uh, take your phone out, scan the QR code um, so you can have um, today's uh, message as we're, we're finalizing um, uh, in, in our series, as we get prepared and ready for, for Christmas. Um, just like Ryland said, we are in the end of our sermon series called Jesus in Rewind. And we've been looking at several different things uh, about, his, about his, his life. And we looked at the very beginning about Jesus's return. So we went to the, the very end and looked at his, his return. And then we, we, we backed up and looked at his, his resurrection. We, we re- rewound um, throughout history and went back to when Jesus was resurrected. We also looked at um, Jesus's death and the importance of that. And not only that, but his, his daily life and, and how he has left us an example for us uh, to follow. Well, today, just cat out of the bag, we're talking about his birth, okay? So Christmas time, we eventually got to talk about Jesus' birth, right? So today we're talking about his birth and Jesus's beginning. Um, a couple weeks ago, our staff got invited to uh, one of our deacons' homes, and we had our staff deacon uh, and their family or a Christmas party, and everybody brings like a gag gift, and we do like the gift exchange or the the white elephant gift thing, and it's always hilarious because you're watching um, people that are from all different ages um, and, and walks of life, and they're opening up presents. They have no idea what they are, and sometimes they open them, and they still don't know what they are, right? Um, you ever been in that, that situation where you open it up, and everybody's looking at you, and you got to put that smile on. You're like, oh, you're so excited, and you have, you have no idea um, what's going on. Sometimes it happens at Christmas time. This is not something I, I'm, I'm not advising you to do this, but this would be hilarious. If you just go under your tree, you know, before Christmas and just, just uh, switch out some names, um, you know, have you ever done that? Just switched out a couple names uh, of presents, you know, like, I don't know, just, just go for it. It'd be, it'd be hilarious to watch someone open up a present that has nothing to do with them and they have to pretend like they're excited about it. Like, it, it's, it'd be great. Just do it, record it, send it to me. I'd love to see, see that. Because sometimes in, in Christmas time, we unwrap some things, we don't know what they are, and we're confused about them. And in the same way, when it comes to to scripture, sometimes we get, can get confused about some things in scripture, and especially when it comes to the Christmas story, which we think we know a ton about, it can be kind of confusing. And so today, here's what we're going to do. We're just going to unravel some Christmas confusion, because there are some things about Christmas that can be a little bit confusing. In fact, there are a lot of questions that people have about Jesus and his birth and Christmas time and how all that how that works together. And so I just wanted today just simply just uh, put some of those questions in front of you and we're going to look at scripture and see what it has to say um, about it. So the first question I think is a big one is when was Jesus born? You might be like, well, that's easy, Clayton. Let's move on to the next one, right? But let, let's talk about it for a minute. Like when was Jesus actually born? So Matthew and Luke in the Gospels, they, they talk about um, Jesus' birth. They don't give exact dates because back then they didn't do that. They would actually say, like, um, when so-and-so was reigning or when this prophet was around. And that was how they dated things back then. So we don't have this exact date, but we can use some, like, detective skills to understand and find out and figure out when Jesus was actually um, born. Um, this this next week, my family, we're going to go to Texas and, and visit my, my parents. And uh, my sister and her family are going to come from San Antonio. We're going to come all together. And I don't know everything we're going to do, but I know one thing we're going to do. We always do this every year, and we, 
we get some puzzle out and put it in the dining room um, table, and we can't eat on that for the whole week because we're, we're, we have a puzzle, right? And we're going we're gonna to try to uh, put this puzzle together. And anybody ever do that? Like you just you spend, you know, five, ten minutes trying to work on, you get frustrated, you go do something else, and the whole week you're just kind of putting the puzzle together. And is anybody, like it's how our family does it, we, we'll put things together outside of the, because you do the outsides first unless you're just weird, right? You do the edge first. And then we'll start working on our own little section over here. I got the blue pieces. Like, don't mess with me, right? And so we're putting them all together. And then you got to somehow transfer them. So you get like the giant spatula out or something and you're, you're bringing it over. I mean, that's how, kind of how it works um, around, around our, our, in our family. Well, in the same way, when it comes to Jesus' birth, to figure it out, we got to put some puzzle pieces together. And then we can get a clearer picture of when Jesus was actually Born. So let's, let's look at a couple places in Scripture. Luke chapter 2 is probably the best place to go when you want to know about Jesus' birth. Luke chapter 2 is a story. And here's what it says. It says, at that, at that time, the Roman emperor Augustus, he made a decree. So I'm going to stop right there. So the Roman emperor, Caesar Augustus, we know from history that he reigned for 41 years from 27 B.C. to 14 A.D., and so the Bible says that all this happened, the story of Jesus' birth happened within this time frame. So when you have all of, all of human history, you can get it all the way down to those 41 years and try to figure out, can we get a little bit closer to when Jesus was actually born? Well, the very next verse says this. It says, this was the first census. So there's a census that he was decreeing that was taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. Quirinius we don't know a whole lot about this guy, but we do know that he was governor around 6 B.C. So sometime around 6 B.C., well, can we get a little bit closer um, than that? Well, if you go to Matthew chapter 2, again, it's in chapter 2, but in Matthew chapter 2 verse 1 says that Jesus was born during the reign of King Herod. Now, there's a lot of different rulers going on here, and they kind of had different areas and ruling different um, places, but, but King Herod was this brilliant and ruthless Jewish Roman ruler, okay? And he, he ruled that area during that time, and he created some incredible places. You can go to Jerusalem and to, to Israel today and see those things, but he was a ruthless guy. And he actually died in 4 BC. We know that he died in 4 BC. And yet before his death, he, he tried to kill all of the, the male boys that were two-year-old and under in, in Bethlehem. Because he wanted to try to get rid of Jesus. And so we can kind of piece these puzzle pieces together and realize Jesus could have been two years old in 4 BC. So he, because that was by the time that, 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 uh, that Herod actually passed away. So we can kind of put these together and realize that Jesus was probably born between 4 and 6 BC. And I was like, why is it not 1 AD? Like, come on. Like, isn't that, isn't that what it's supposed to be? Why is it 4 and 6 BC? Well, because the BC and AD dating didn't actually come into existence until 525 AD, okay? This Christian monk in Europe, he created this to try to, try to you know, explain dating and have this, this uh, system. And he wanted to base it off of Jesus' life and when Jesus was born. And so we all know what B.C. and A.D. stands for, right? B.C., before Christ, A.D., after death, right? No, that's not right. That's not right. That's not right at all. Like when I was growing up, I thought that's what it was talking about, like before Jesus was born and then after he died, like I thought that's what it was. Well, 
the BC, before Christ, is actually correct, but the AD actually is a Latin um, term for Anno Domini, which means in the year of our Lord. And so in 2023, it is in the year of our Lord, 2023, which is kind of interesting. Now, he got his dates incorrect. This monk, he was off by a few years. He was off by between four and six years. But you know what? It doesn't matter, you know? Honestly, it, it doesn't matter that he was off by, by, the, by those years because the truth is, is that Jesus is still the turning point of history, right? His life, him here on this earth, is the turning point of history. And so whether you are, you're writing a check or you're putting your, your date on, on, the, on, the, on the homework assignment, um, every time you, you write the year, you need to realize that it's because of Jesus that you're writing the year that it is. His life was the turning point of human history. Here's a little bonus. Jesus was probably not born around Christmas time. Sorry, hate to burst your bubble, okay? We, we, we can look at some of the evidence, put some puzzle pieces together, and realize that there were, there were, uh, there were shepherds out in the field, you know, watching their flocks at night. Well, well, at night in December is not the best time to have your, your, uh, your uh, sheep out there. And so it's probably more of a springtime thing when they were actually out in the field. And we're not really sure, but honestly, it doesn't really matter because in our culture, um, we've actually taken a day, December 25th, to say this is the time we're going to celebrate the birth of Jesus. So Jesus was born sometime four to six BC. Here's a second question. Where was he born? Where was Jesus born? Now, here in America, we have a census every 10 years, okay? So it's in our constitution. We have to do that so we know how many um, House of Representatives uh, or how many representatives are going to be in the House. And so every 10 years, you're going to get something, um, either a phone call or something in the mail, and you got to fill it out, the demographics study. Well, back then, they didn't have um, the mail. They didn't have a phones to be able to do that. And yet they still were doing a census during that time in the, the Roman Empire. And the way it worked was you actually went back to your original hometown, where your family um, was from, to be counted. And Luke chapter 2 talks about it. It says, at that time, the Roman emperor Augustus, he decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman um, empire. Can you imagine traveling back to your hometown? I mean, I'm from, I grew up in Odessa, Texas, which is eight and a half hours without taking a bathroom break, okay, Uh, getting on the road and and traveling back. That's how long it would take me to go back to my hometown for a census. Does anybody, can anybody, uh, anybody have a hometown that's further away than that? What do you got? Yell it out. What? California. Wisconsin. South Carolina. Tennessee. What? Pennsylvania. Australia. Just because your name's Sydney doesn't mean you're born in Australia. (laughs) Can you imagine having to go back just to be counted? That's crazy. Well, Mary is engaged to Joseph, and Joseph is from the line of David. And the city of David is Bethlehem. He had to go back. He takes Mary. She's nine months pregnant. They travel south from Nazareth. It took them about a week to get there. Would we ever travel anywhere if it took us a week? I mean, if we had to travel for five hours, like, oh, I just can't, I can't take it, right? It's just too much, you know? <laughs> Can you imagine <laughs> traveling? Nine months pregnant, by the way, okay? Traveling for an entire week. That's what they actually had to do. And they went to Bethlehem because Matthew chapter 2, verse 1, says this, that Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, just south of Jerusalem. 
This is important because it actually fulfilled Scripture, fulfilled the Old Testament. You go to, to Micah chapter 5, it says, But you, O Bethlehem, uh, uh, Pathetha, however you say that, are only a small village among all the people of Judah. Okay, it's so a small, insignificant place. Yet a rule of Israel, whose origins are in the distant past, will come from you on my behalf. This was a prophecy that, hey, someone important is going to come out of, out of Bethlehem. And so everybody goes back to Bethlehem. This place is packed. In fact, probably most of the towns were packed. The roads were packed. Everybody was having to travel um, during that, town, that, that time. And the census is the reason there was no room um, in, in the inn, right? And this inn was either a hotel kind of situation or it was like a, a private house or private room um, connected to, to a family um, house. And regardless, there was no place for, for them. And the only space that they could actually, actually find was where the animals were kept. Now, the, the Bible does not say anything about the animals. Do you all know that? There's no sheep or donkey or uh, there's no cow, <laughs> like pictures you see. It doesn't say anything about the animals, but it does say one thing that shows that Jesus was born in that kind of situation. It says this in Luke chapter 2, verse 7. It says that Mary, she gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him, in snuggly, wrapped him snuggly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there's no lodging available for them. So in, in this manger. Now, this manger, this is where the, the animals ate, right? And so we always look at that in a Western sense. We always think of a kind of a wooden a trough, so to speak. Well, that's the European model we, that we, that we kind of come from. And we've seen lots of paintings and pictures uh, that depict it that way. Well, Europe has a lot of trees. You go to Israel, there's not trees, okay? And so it was all, everything was made out of stone. And so the manger was probably this carved um, stone piece that animals um, would eat out of. And that's probably where Jesus was, was laid. And it says uh, lodging here in this in the New Living Translation. Your, your version may say in or something like that. But the Greek word for this right here is actually kataluma. Uh, kataluma. And kataluma, most of the time in Scripture, talks about it being a guest house. And so Jesus was either, either born in a, kind of this, this inn type of situation, um, this, this hotel kind of situation. But, but more than likely, because they didn't have those really back then, He was probably, Joseph probably went to one of his family's homes and being with Mary, who was nine months pregnant, I mean, it probably took them a little bit longer to to get there and they arrived late, I'm thinking, and there was no room left for them. And so they had to go to the only place they could find, which was probably attached to the house where they kept the animals safe at night. So it's either a stable, it was a cave, it was an extra room down low where the animals were. And the truth is, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Because all of these places are lowly places. And so here's, here's the answer to the question, okay? Where was Jesus born? We could have said Bethlehem and moved on, right? Where was Jesus born? He was born in humility. I think that's the important thing for us to understand. Jesus was born in, humble, in a humble situation. And I thought about this, why, God, why would you do that to your only son, right? Why why would Jesus be born into this humble situation, being in this this dirty little town? I mean, and and then you go into, you can't even stay in a house. You got to go to this this place where all the animals are. Why would you not be born in Jerusalem, like at the temple or something, like everybody can celebrate you? I think it's because that's God's character, The Bible says that Jesus came not to be served, but to what? To serve. He's given us an example. 
And the Son of God is born in, into humility. Which brings us to another question about his birth. I think it's the big one for today. It's this. What's the big deal about the virgin birth? I mean, that's kind of like a hallmark thing about, about the, the Christian faith. And we talk about it all the time. But, but you think about it, like, why is that so important? Well, look what Scripture has to say about it. Matthew 1 says, this is the angel, says, look, the virgin will conceive a child and she will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means uh, God is, is with us. And so this is a really important um, verse and it talks about the virgin uh, birth, but, but who is it talking about really? What is it talking, who's it talking about is, is Mary. So this is something that's going to happen to Mary. And, and I want us to, to just pause for a second and recognize that Mary is Jesus' link to humanity here in this story. You see, the Bible records that Jesus, he did a lot of human stuff. I mean, he had to, he had to sleep, he had to, to eat, he bled, he, he sweat, he cried, he laughed, he got angry. He went through all of the emotions. Jesus was, was fully human. Now, I think this is the important part about, about the virgin birth. Jesus was fully human, but Jesus, he had to be, guys. He had to be fully human. Because if Jesus was not fully human, then he could not be our true substitute. He could not be our true sacrifice. Hebrews chapter 9 talks about it. It says, for without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. There's no forgiveness of your sins without the shedding of blood. Talking about the Old Testament, that when they sacrifice animals as a temporary covering over your sins. Saying, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. So a blood sacrifice was required, which means that a blood sacrifice had to have a real body. It had to have real blood, okay? Jesus could not be this ghostly figure. They just kind of floated around for, for a couple years. No, Jesus had to be fully human to actually be the sacrifice. Because if he wasn't really human, then he couldn't really die, which means the cross is pointless, his virgin birth is so important. Mary, his mother, is his link to humanity. Galatians chapter 4 says this. But when the right time, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. God sent him to buy freedom for us who, who were slaves to the law so that they could adopt us as his very own children. Now, let me, let me, let me break this apart real, real quick here. So it talks about... Jesus being born of a woman, okay? So there's this, there's this humanity here. But it links his humanity with being subject to the law. And I think this is another important part about, about his virgin birth. You see, angels and animals are not subject to the law. Only humans are subject to the law. And us being subject to the law, that means there's sin, um, there, is, there is consequences of sin, and the punishment um, is, is death. Um, for, for those things. And so only a, a real human could be a perfect substitute for all the other humans. Does that make sense? There could not be another type of replacement. Jesus had to be born where he is fully man. Otherwise, he could not be our substitute. Also, on the flip side of this, the virgin birth also teaches us and tells us that Jesus is fully God. He's not only fully man, but he's also fully God. Look at Luke 
chapter 1 says, The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the Son of God, okay? The Bible describes Jesus as divine all the time in so many different places. That he is is God-like. I mean, think about this. Jesus claimed to have God's authority. Jesus performed these miracles that no one could explain. And Jesus forgave sins. Let me just stop there. That's pretty crazy to forgive sins. That's why the religious leaders wanted to kill him. Because who can forgive sins? God. Only God. I can't forgive your sins. A priest can't forgive your sins. Only God can forgive sins. And Jesus says, your sins are forgiven. They they yell, blasphemy. Let's, Let's crucify him for it. You know another thing that Jesus did that was God-like is he accepted worship. When people would worship him, he accepted it. I mean, if someone walked into this room right here and bowed down in front of you and started worshiping you, you'd be like, whoa, <laughs> you don't know what I've done today, right? Like, uh, you should not be worshiping me, okay? But Jesus accepted worship because he's fully God. The angel talking to Mary said, he shall be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. The Bible, I I could pick 400 verses that talk about the divinity of Jesus. Let me go to Hebrews chapter (laughs) 1. Now, before I read this, okay, this is so cool. There's so many places in Scripture at the very beginning of books that the author, I think they were saying, hey, this is what I've got to say is so important that I need to say at the very beginning. You got Hebrews, you got Colossians, you got John, and other places that before they got into anything, they'd say, Hey, before we talk about this theological stuff or how to live your life, I need to say this one thing because this everything is, is hinging off of this one thing. Here's what it says in Hebrews chapter 1, starting at the very beginning. It says, Long ago, God spoke many times and in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets. Talking about the Old Testament, okay? He says, And now in these final days, he's spoken to us through his son. God promised everything to the son, his inheritance, and through the son, he created the universe. Boom. Right? The very beginning, the writer of Hebrews says, I need to get this clear. The sun radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of God. And he sustains everything by the mighty power of his command. This is what the Bible says about Jesus. That is crazy. This baby that was born actually created the universe the Bible talks about. Which brings me to like maybe an even bigger question. It's this question. <laughs> How can the creator be born? Like if someone walked up to you and says, if Jesus is God, he's the creator, how can he be born? What would you say to that? How can the creator be born? Because the Bible just says Jesus was born and he's also created the universe. Like how do those two things work together? Here's my answer to you. Ready for this? It's a mystery. Okay? (laughs) I don't know. It's confusing. But anytime there's a mystery in scripture, you know what it's calling us to do? It's calling us to trust God. And the Bible says, hey, you should trust God for this one reason. Look what Isaiah says. 55 says, for just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts, declares the Lord. 
This is what God spoke through, through Isaiah to the people during that time and to us today. God's saying, hey, look, it's a mystery. You cannot fathom what I'm up to. You can't fathom my understanding and my ways, my thoughts. Just as high as the heavens are from the earth, like stop trying to figure it out and trust me. Just trust me. And so we can't comprehend it. And I feel like the English language doesn't do a very good job of trying to explain it in Scripture. If you, if you learn some Greek and Hebrew and actually read it in the original language, these, these languages have so much more depth than the English language. Begin to describe things and open our minds up to, to these theological truths that in English we just kind of dumb it down uh, a little bit. And so I'd like to try to try to explain it a little bit more. But I have a problem doing that. It's, I mean, I've gone on so many mission trips um, to Spanish-speaking countries, to Mexico and uh, Central America. You would think that I would know some Spanish, Right? You would think I'd know some Spanish, but I didn't take Spanish when I was younger, and so um, I in, in school, and so I've tried to learn um, as a pastor. And I mean, you, can anybody like understand this? Where you you just can't learn something new. Like the older you get, you're just like, there's no way. It's like it just it just doesn't compute in my in my brain anymore. I, I don't know. I, I have the hardest time trying to learn Spanish. So here's how I speak Spanish over there. I just talk slower, louder. Okay, that's how I do it. Where is the car, right? Like, like I mean, how, how embarrassing is that? I mean, when I, when, I'm, when I speak to someone like that, like that's going to act be like, oh, I totally understand what you're saying now, right? Thank you for speaking slower to me. But that's the only way that I know how to explain what I'm trying to, trying to get across. And so let me kind of do that in, in a way here. This is not going to be efficient um, to, to explain this mystery, but maybe this will help us. I'm going to throw out a couple of, of theological words to you. So if you don't like that, just take a nap for a second. Um, here we go. Here's the first um, thing that might be able to help us to explain. Jesus is being the creator and also being born. It's what theologians call the hypostatic union. Okay, <laughs> don't, don't fall asleep on me, right? A hypostatic union. It sounds pretty confusing, but it's actually really, really simple. Okay, so hypostatic means personal. What it's saying is, is personal union of Jesus's two natures coming together, okay? It's what theologians call something, a mystery that is worshipfully mind-stretching. Can't fathom it. You see, the truth is, is that Jesus has two natures. He's fully man and fully God. And he's, those two things are perfectly united in one person, not two, Jesus is not two different people, okay, in history. He is one person. There's this creed in, the, in, the, in a long time ago that this uh, Christian um, group got together, and they made this creed, and here's what it says. I'll try to explain it. His two natures are without confusion, without change, and without division, and without separation. Jesus is one. That's what it says. And I think the Bible actually explains it really, really well in a very simple way. In John chapter 1. Remember I was talking about the very beginning. They say, hey, before we get into anything else, I need to say this about Jesus. Jesus is God, okay? Now we can move on uh, to, and understand some things. Here's what it says in John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God and the Word was God. Who is the Word? Jesus is the Word. From the very beginning, the gospel says, hey, I need to get one thing straight. Jesus has always existed. Jesus is God. 
A little bit later on in verse 14, it says, So the word became human and made his home among us. You know what that's called? You probably understand this word. It's the incarnation. You've heard of that, right? You've probably heard of the incarnation. When God took on human flesh. That's what the word means. You see, Jesus, he's, he's fully God who became fully man without losing any of his divinity. And we can't explain it very well. Okay, I probably did a terrible job of trying to explain it. We can't explain it, but we can trust God. And it should lead us to worship Jesus. And that's what we do at Christmas time, isn't it? At Christmas time, we celebrate Jesus' birth. You know, I titled this sermon, Jesus' Birth and Beginning. But here's the truth. Jesus was born, but he has no beginning. That's something we have to wrap our minds around. Jesus was born, but he has no beginning. Jesus says it himself. He says, I have always been, which is crazy. Look, look what John records. He says in verse, chapter 8, verse 58, Jesus says, I tell you the truth, before Abraham was even born, I am. That is, that is God's title right there. That's what Jesus is saying. The beautiful way of saying it. He's saying, I have always been. A little bit later, he says, the Father and I are one. We are, we are connected. I'm talking about the Trinity here. Jesus has always been. He never had a beginning. But he was born. Mind blown, right? So that's the info, right? That's the info. But how does it affect us? And how does it have an opportunity to, to change our lives. So I was thinking about this. What, what, is, what does this mean? That Jesus was actually born fully as a man, but is also has no beginning because he is fully God. What does that actually mean for us? Two things. If you're writing down e-notes, write this down. Jesus being fully man connects us to God. Jesus being fully man, it, it, it connects us to God. Now, I was, a, I was a, uh, a youth pastor for like 15 years, and I was like, man, my kids are growing up, they're little, and it's going to be awesome when they're teenagers. And then I became a, a lead pastor, and my, my kids are teenagers now, and my daughter has a sign on her phone that says, I'm hungry right now. She's showing me right now, I'm hungry. Okay, like a little teleprompter, right? <laughs> nice. Uh, you didn't think I was going to say that. Um, I just, I did it. Um, so, <laughs> I see it. Um, and so when, when they bring their friends over, and I always thought I was going to be the cool, awesome dad. I'm the youth pastor dad. And I quickly realized that I've, I've lost it, guys. Like I've, I'm just the old, weird guy now. And, and you know what? I've just learned to embrace it. Like I even go a little bit further with it and just kind of embarrass my, my kids. So their, their friends come over. I don't understand what they're saying. And I just I dress kind of funny on purpose. Um, like I, I just I want to, I, I try, but I just don't understand what's, what's going on um, with, with them today. It's hard for me to, to talk to them today. It's, it's crazy. Look what Hebrews chapter 2 says. It says, therefore it was necessary for him to be made in every respect like us. Like us. It, it's hard for me to connect with, with teenagers today, okay? But you know what? Jesus being fully God allows us to be able to be connected with him. Look, look it goes on and says, 
like us, his brothers and sisters, so that he could be our merciful and faithful high priest before God, our advocate, someone we can go to. And so when life is difficult, you don't have this distant God that doesn't understand. You have Jesus, who is fully God, who became fully man, understands what it means to lose a family member. Understands what it, what it means to suffer and have pain and people reject him. And to be abused, to be forgotten, to be kicked aside. He understands what it means to, to love and also have deep sorrow. He understands those things. So the Bible says he, he connects with us. He connects with us. Then it says, then he could offer a sacrifice that would take away the sins of the people. You know, it's really hard for humans to connect with a God that doesn't connect with us, right? That doesn't relate to us. But we have Jesus, and he connects with us. Him being fully human. You know, but also, we will never be fully satisfied if we just worshiped a human. Some religions do that, but they'll never be fully satisfied because only the divine satisfies. Only God himself can satisfy. And so Jesus being fully man, yes, it helps us to connect with God, but also Jesus being fully God, what it does, it satisfies our soul. It satisfies your soul. Because deep down inside of us, we're all longing for something, and we try to, to gain it from in so many different areas. But the truth is, is that only God can satisfy you. Dr. Bob Shaw is a, um, a Christian counselor, and he's studied people and, and spent tons of time talking to people. And here's what he says about, about the human soul, that we long for six things. You ready for this? We long for significance. Think about that. We want to matter. We also long for safety. We want to know that we are, we are taken care of. We long for purpose. We want to know that our lives are a part of something bigger than ourselves. We long for, un we want, we long for understanding. We, we don't want to be in the dark. We want to be enlightened and know the truth. We want to belong. Not only do we want to know, but we want to be known. We want to belong to something and to someone. And we want to be loved. Those are six things we want to we want to truly be loved with no conditions. In our soul, that's what we long for. And here's, the, here's, here's like the, the summation of our lives. We go about trying to find fulfillment in all, everything else but God sometimes, right? We try to fulfill the longing of our souls. And Jesus being fully God, it satisfies our souls. Let me, let me finish with this verse, Romans 5, 8. I love this verse. It says that God, he shows his love for us, right? Fulfilling and satisfying our souls. He shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Now I underline Christ died because that is his humanity. Him shedding his blood for us. But maybe I should have underlined for us. You see, the reason Jesus was born and the reason he died 
It's for you. It's for you. He is for you. God himself, who was born as a real person, he is unapologetically for you. He's for you. That should cause us to get on our knees and worship him. So we've, 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 we've rewound the story of Jesus, right? We've rewound the tape. A whole bunch, all the last several weeks. So now let's let it play. Think about this. The creator God, who has always been, was born fully man. So he could be our adequate substitute. And he died on the cross to pay for your sins. And then he rose from the grave. He ascended into heaven. And he's coming back soon. That's the story of Jesus. That's the story of Christmas. And when the Virgin Mary, um, she gets the news that she's going to be pregnant. And she miraculously becomes pregnant. And just this crazy flipping of her life. That was not her plan, guys. <laughs> it was, I mean, if you read the scriptures, I mean, it, it just, she didn't, she was not happy. Like she was confused. What's going on? It was not her, her idea. It was God's idea. It was all God. God was the one who moved in that story. And the same goes in your life. You may not be seeking after God or following after him, but I'm telling you what, he is seeking after you. He has a plan for you. You can't pay for your sins. God has a plan for you to have your sins forgiven. And the answer is Jesus. He was born for you and he died for you. Will you trust him? Let me pray for you. Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for his birth, his life, his perfect life. Thank you for his sacrificial death. Him being fully man means that he can die in our place. He can get up on our own crosses and die for us. And he did to pay for our sins. But thank you that he's fully God. Jesus, you are fully God and you rose from the grave. You ascended into heaven and you are so trustworthy. And so when you say that you're coming back soon, maybe we should really think about that. And think about what are we going to do with Jesus? What are we going to do with this information? Do we just celebrate another Christmas? Or do we surrender to Jesus? I pray, God, for anyone in this room, anyone watching or listening right now online, they've never trusted in you. Jesus, pursue them. Holy Spirit, convict their hearts right now. And may they lay aside their sin and trust in you. They would confess their sin in front of you and accept your free gift of salvation. God, may you change them. I pray, God, for the rest of us. I confess, God, that we often forget about all you've done for us. We say thank you and we kind of put you aside in our lives. I pray this Christmas will be different, that we recognize that Jesus became fully 
man and has always been fully God. He was born and he died for us. May it change, God, how we live and our attitude towards others. May it cause us to live for you every single day in all situations, in all relationships. Wherever we find ourselves, God, help us to be a light for you to others. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, church, let's end this way. I want to invite you to stand for just a moment. We're going to have a- We are super glad that you decided to join us today. And if you watch us every week, we're so glad that you join us. And if you're watching right now for the very first time, um, we wanna just say, welcome to the family. We're so glad that you're here. Um, If you're someone who during the message, you thought, you know what? I want to know more about Christ. I wanna give my life to Jesus. And I I want to know what it means to be forgiven. Uh, We want to connect with you. So if you could text forgiven to 94,000, And that way, one of our ministers can reach out to you and you can begin that conversation of knowing how God can change your life. Um, Here at Central, we truly do believe that Jesus changes everything. See you guys later.